Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and a very Merry Christmas to you, whether you are listening to this as the show comes out, which is just a couple days before Christmas, or during Christmas weekend. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas from us here at Boundless, and I hope you're getting some good downtime, time with some family and friends, and looking hopefully towards the new year. Well, here is what's coming up on the show. Later on for our inbox, we have a list who recently got engaged, but she's starting to find other guys attractive. Is this a reason to be concerned or not? One of our counselors is going to weigh in. And then for our culture, Pastor Jonathan Pakluda is back here with us. He is going to do just kind of a popcorn Q&A on a number of issues relating to young adults from... Uh, church to dating stuff, uh, just a few different topics that I think you will find very helpful. And so stay tuned for that. Well, here we are for our roundtable. And because many of you are literally like with family and friends right now celebrating the Christmas holidays, we thought it would be great to have a discussion around how to spend quality time and have quality conversations, quite frankly, with your family during the holidays. And so You might think this is assumptive, like, um, oh, shouldn't we just all be able to sit around and have great conversations? Well, yeah, you think that until you (laughs) start talking to people and then there's like tension or some people just don't want to talk or you're trying to introduce topics or you realize someone's mad at someone or whatever, or just people are not here for it. They're just kind of trying to get through the end of the year. And so uh, fortunately, I have got Hannah, Peter, and Ryan here to weigh in maybe some uh, personal experiences. So welcome, y'all. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, talk this through because I know you guys are all, I think, looking forward to spending time with family and friends, right, over the holidays. Are you all traveling? I think uh, yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. going to be <laughs> gone. Okay. So very good. Very good. So this will be, maybe we'll instruct ourselves on how to do this, even as we're recording. So what does, let's give us a little picture first of what um, your holidays tend to look like. Like what's the vibe? Who are the players? Um, Do you feel like you go in with like more uh, expectations (laughs) than what actually happens in reality? What does it end up looking like for you as far as what's, you know, the actual temperature of the whole situation? Yeah, I would say for me, I always think it's going to be more like go, 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 or like we're doing a bunch of things, we're going here, whether it's like last minute Christmas shopping or, I don't know, visiting family or friends, but it always ends up being more low key than I expect, which sometimes that's really good. Um, But sometimes I'm like, why can't we have the Hallmark Christmas? But really, (laughs) like, it's just about being with family and catching up. Um, And so... Our Christmas is typically really low-key. We go to my grandma's on Christmas Eve, Hmm. the whole extended family, and then on Christmas Day, it's just my immediate family. And so, yeah, last year it included Chinese food on Christmas night, which was really fun. Wow. (laughs) So Christmas movies, hanging out, going on walks, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. um, It's usually just my immediate family. We... I've kind of moved all across the country, but we usually all come back to California, where I'm from, for the holidays. Um, And that immediate family, though, has been growing. We have, you know, siblings getting married and having kids, whatever it may be. So um, been quite a few transitions in the past couple of years. And um, that's always something to navigate, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, that's um, good because that's adjusting expectations. It is. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. And like even in the couple of years since I moved away from California, every time I go back, it's, you know, well, what is it going to be like this year? Making sure I'm intentional about that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, uh, for me, my family is a little hectic. Um, It's unlike from what I've been hearing. Um, We all get together on, well, my dad's side gets together on Christmas Eve. So we all get together and we have like um, Shabu Shabu, which is a hot pot, I guess you could just say. Um, And we throw everything in there. There's a lot of stuff going on. And um, yes, my cousins and my aunt and uncle and my parents and sisters and siblings and everything. And then the next day we have breakfast and then we have my mom's side over for breakfast. (laughs) And everybody comes over and my grandpa, you know, my grandpa comes over and my aunt and uncles and cousins and other stuff. And then we take a break and then we come back again for dinner. <laughs> I was like, so just like constant, just going on over and over. There's so much going on mm-hmm. and there's like presents being thrown all over the place, you know, like make sure you thank so-and-so over there, you know, 
just like all these other things going on. Um, so yeah, it's a little different than most of you guys from what I've been hearing. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mine's a little different too, largely because growing up my immediate family, there's six of us kids was so big. It was like, you know, we, I grew up in California as well. And most of my family was in the Midwest or the East coast, um, the extended family. So we didn't really get to do big family gatherings. But now that my siblings are married and have kids and live different places in the U.S., and especially now that both of my parents are gone, I'm kind of in the weird position of like, who am I going to choose to spend time with this year? And then it gets weird because I'm like, do I need to put people on a rotation or do I just like sometimes I just want to be stay here and then people are offended. And so I haven't quite settled into what my routine is yet. But when I get together with family, it tends to be kind of... Um, a little bit chaotic because at this point there are just lots of kids in the picture and all of that, which is also very fun, but yeah, it can be tricky. Um, okay. So let's talk about what would you say, you know, we, I mentioned the whole idea of expectations and maybe it is reflecting on what used to be versus what is now or whatever, just the realities of stuff. What would you say are some of the challenges or disappointments when you spend time around the holidays? Like if you, you know, something that you wish you could change or that was different or the way it used to be or whatever, what would you say some of the harder parts of going home or spending Christmas with family is? Uh, So some of the things that I encounter when my family all gets together is there's a lot of drinking going on in my family and I'm not one who really drinks and they all keep pressuring me like, hey, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, I just don't want to, you know, but, and I guess I can kind of see why they want me to is because they're all doing it and they kind of feel like, well, you, you don't understand what it's like. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to, you know? So that's one of the problems that I always encounter is they're just always pressuring me like, Hey, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, I just don't like, you guys know I don't drink. So, um, but that's one of the problems that I you know, encounter during mm. the holidays. It's just like my, my family's really big into, you know, into alcohol, but mm. I'm not really big in alcohol. So yeah, that's stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, you know, now that you're saying that it reminds me like definitely in my extended family, there are some non-Christians. Mm-hmm. And so even like the whole, you know, you're not just going to sit down with all of them and be like, let's talk about the true meaning of Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff. Like they just don't even go there. Yeah. So it's like this whole <laughs> idea of like, let's gather around the nativity. And it's like, nope, they're not. <laughs> someone's just going to grab another beer and be like, let me mm-hmm. open my gifts. And yep, so, yep. yeah, that can be a disappointment. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, thankfully my uh, immediate family that I spend Christmas with is all Christian, which is awesome. Um, but like differing values, different perspectives, different things that people, um, as we've grown up, like we're unique people, you know, and when you don't really live in the same place, then you come back and um, maybe there's some things that, one sibling values over another thing that they need to do this Christmas or um, like traditions that, you know, which ones do you let go of? Which ones do you keep on going? So that's that's a challenge. And just like trying to navigate disagreements or uh, anything on, on that kind of level. If, you know, certain subjects get up, uh, come up like uh, COVID last year or something like that, like you know, again, we're all unique people and it's, mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to, to navigate that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the family that I spend the holidays with, not all of them have the same values or the same faith as I do. And so it is hard to dig into like more intentional conversation about like, um, like what has the Lord been teaching you this year? Or I don't know, just more like intentional conversation like that. Um, Yeah, and even as the youngest of three girls, it's a bit hard to maybe bring that up into like, hey, like, let's read the Christmas story or let's talk about what God has done in our lives. Um, Yeah, I found that a bit challenging with immediate and Mm -hmm. extended family. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it is. I mean, again, even my family, you know, being largely believers, some people just aren't willing to go deep. You know, it's just hard to like, if you want to, and I know Hannah, you talked about going home for the holidays and like taking walks and stuff. That's a good, I I found that that's sometimes a good way. Like if you get someone away from the crowd and can Mm -hmm. just like go on a walk or do something and kind of get a little bit, maybe ask some good questions. And, you know, there's no shame in like having some questions (laughs) prepared sometimes uh, to do that, to really be able to catch up with people. And I feel like if I don't do that intentionally, 
it my whole vacation will just be very surfacey stuff and everyone just logistically planning things or having just super uh superficial conversations about stuff so um to that end do you guys have any ideas about how to make Christmas meaningful like within your family whether that's through conversations or things that you can introduce as activities or anything else that you try to do yeah I I think it's funny because I I did the same thing where it's like I want to come home and I want to have like at least one good one-on-one conversation with each of my siblings and you know a lot of times that is taking a walk with them getting away from the loud house or whatever may be happening and yeah I mean it's it's maybe doing intentional questions um, it's kind of like getting their temperature, helping, you know, both me and that other person get away from all the logistical things, all the crazy, and just have like a quieter area. So whether that's a walk or that's, you know, in California, I'm blessed. I'm near the beach. So I go to the beach, something like that. Um, and yeah, just get out in nature if you're in, you know, not on the coast. <laughs> um, and yeah, just enjoy, enjoy kind of a slower times and being really intentional about taking the moments to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would even say um, a place I like to start is just asking them questions about like things that I know that they're interested in, Mm -hmm. Um, just being curious. Um, For example, my sister really loves music festivals, and I just don't know a lot about them. Uh, And so starting to like ask her questions about that and maybe what she's done during the year, like what music festivals she has gone to. And additionally, like culturally the themes of like gratitude and joy and peace are like all the rage during the holidays and so mm-hmm. I even find like bringing up conversations about like oh well, like what have you found that like really brings you peace this year that's maybe something that uh has surprised you or yeah kind of bringing mm-hmm. up questions about those kind of themes too to lead yeah. into maybe deeper conversations that's interesting because I one year made my whole family and when I say made I literally mean made because they're all like <laughs> oh you know they're resistant but then they get into it I had us all do um it was some version of a personality test you know so it was either MD- MBTI or Enneagram or one of those and I just put it out there and was like you know let's all do this and then we'll talk through our types and you know whatever and it's kind of like you know, no one likes to admit that they like to talk about themselves, but a lot of people you do. Okay. <laughs> like you want to find out about yourself yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being a really fun activity that everyone kind of got into and we learned some things about each other, which was cool. Nice. I can agree with what Pete said, you know, like to just, uh, just to get away with some, you know, people in your family personally, mm-hmm. like I was able to have gospel conversations with some of them just one-on-one when you're in a group it's very hard um to talk about jesus or you know about covid or politics or things like that which you don't really want to talk about you know too much but um but yeah i was like when you're able just to get away with the person it makes a huge difference um a lot of times like my family will be out chopping wood it would be like me my dad and my brother and then my uncle will just come driving by in his truck and then we'll you know be able just to just you know talk with my uncle and be like hey you know like what's been going on like how you doing you know and just this you know just to catch up and since they haven't seen you in a long time they want to know hey what's going on in your life what's new with you Mm -hmm. and that's a great opportunity to like bring up well Mm -hmm. like hey like this is you know what's going on like i've been talking to god a lot i've been praying a lot you know Mm -hmm. and i've been praying for you i just wanted to like know like how you're doing you know Mm -hmm. and um and i've been praying for your family and i'm and you know and it means a lot to my family and they're like well thank you so much (laughs) you know even though some of them aren't christians yeah but it still means a lot that they're like, you're still thinking about us. And I'm like, of course I am. I was like, I'm 2,000 miles away, but I'm still thinking about you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, Hannah, so you are, this is going to be your first Christmas as a married woman. You're newly yes. married. Yeah. So talk to us about how, like, what does it look like for you to adjust expectations as far as a new normal? And how do you prioritize conversations with like your in-laws and, you know, where maybe the conversations don't flow as naturally as your own family, but what is that going to look like for you to make sure you're honoring everyone in that space? Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting thinking about the holidays this year and just how now that I'm married, my family relationships will look different because I kind of have an immediate family now with, you know, me and my husband. So yeah, I'm really excited to spend the holidays with his family. Um, He has a larger family than me. Um, and so just kind of having like a louder home is just exciting to me. I'm more <laughs> extroverted, so it just, it sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And luckily his parents are like super intentional and they, um, really respond when I like ask good questions. 
even like getting some of his like asking some of his siblings questions like I said earlier um, that just like helps feed conversation but it is interesting thinking about um, spending you know Christmas at a different house than I maybe have been used to um, not this year but in years to come and so yeah yeah that's good Okay, so the remaining three of us are single. So what is this going to look like for us? How do we do Christmas well without being the sad single people? Like both just straight up being sad (laughs) about our circumstances, but then also just not playing into all of the lame questions that it's very easy to get from family members, some of them well-meaning, but just how do we, how do you navigate that space as far as just emotionally and kind of being like, okay, I'm going to be okay with this. Yeah, uh, I think one of the tricks is I'm going to be there for a little less time than usual this year. <laughs> that <laughs> so I'm only also be there helps. Like three okay. or four days. Um, <laughs> so uh, all the that's questions helpful. they can cram. They, they can, in only, three they or can four only do days. a couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, um, I think you know being honest, finding someone whether that's like a mentor or um, I think I am pretty close with some of my siblings. So specifically in those one-on-one conversations and being able to open up about how I'm feeling and like. Um, you know, if, if there's loneliness or anything that creeps in, um, being, you know, honest about that. Um, and yeah, just, just recognizing that as a single person, as other people in my family, their lives are changing maybe a little more quickly, like that, you know, you're on your own. Um, God's timing is not the same for everyone. And that there are a lot of valuable things reminding myself, there's a lot of valuable things that I've learned in the past year as a single person, um, that, you know, isn't delegitimized because I didn't get married or I didn't have a kid or whatever it may be. Like the big life circumstances are awesome and like um, we should celebrate them. But being able to recognize like, hey, the the normal day-to-day stuff you can learn a lot from too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so be happy for yourself and then you can be happy for other people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think for me, I spent a lot of time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of time in prayer. So I'm always like, I'm always going before God. I'm always talking before him. And I'm also prepping myself as well for like, this is what you're going to encounter. These are the questions that are going to come. They're the same as last year, you know, <laughs> They're the same as the last 10 years, you know? <laughs> so just like, um, I'm going, you know, I already know what's going to come for the most part. And I'm already, you know, prepping myself to be able to handle those things. Um, I also have a lot of friends and you know, back home and I have like my discipler back home. So I get to, you know, borrow like my family's car. And if I'm having a really rough day, one of those days I'll go over and visit one of them and, you know, just explain to them like, Hey, like this is what's going on. And they're, they're awesome people. I'm just so blessed just to have those people like in my life, even though I haven't seen them in like a year, but it's still, it's still really cool that they're open to just be like, yeah, come on over. Like, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. So it's good to have like that support system as well, you know, yes. in prayer and yes, to have friends and family, you know, who you can you know, go to for encouragement and things like that, you know, also. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that, like the whole back home element, because I noticed that even when I go back and visit family where, you know, I lived a stretch in that area too, in the Midwest. And so there are several people in that church there that I know who are single. And so sometimes it is fun, like when my whole family is doing like family-ish things or whatever, or even just seeing them on a Sunday, if I'm there over a Sunday at Christmas or at a Christmas program to just check in with the other single people and being like, how, you know, how's your year been and stuff? Cause you got to still have your tribe and it's okay to have your little remote <laughs> tribe as well. Yep. Um, I think another thing that's been very helpful to me is to always, and I've probably mentioned this before on the show, but always have something in the new year to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Cause it's very, you know, when, when the holidays just get rough or you get into rough conversations, you're thinking like, Oh man, nothing panned out this year that I thought was going to pan out, whether that's relationships or job or finances or whatever. Um, it's always fun to just put something on the calendar in the new year that can be something to look forward to. And, and that's always a cool thing. And it could be with, you know, my single friends or married friends or both and kind of ends up being a, being a cool thing. But well, you guys, this has been such a fun conversation and thanks so much for weighing in. And I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as you celebrate with your families. Maybe we'll have to do a follow-up roundtable of um, <laughs> how, did <it> go? <laughs> how, how did it go? How, yeah. how, how it what happened? Here it is and how it went and how, you know, whatever. So yeah, that would be really fun. But thanks, you guys, so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. A single precious, a single precious, a single precious.
Okay, folks, well, we are here for this week's culture segment, and I get to welcome back my friend, Jonathan Pakluda. You Let's know go. him as JP. And uh, in addition to being pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church down in Waco, which I was mentioning to him earlier that I haven't been to Waco yet, so at some point I got to get down there. Um, but when he's not doing that, the pastoral type things, uh, he does a fair amount of speaking. He's an author. In fact, you know, we've had him on uh, both for his books, Welcome to Adulting, as well as Outdated. And he was actually in the studio today. He's here in Colorado because we did a taping with him for the Focus on the Family daily broadcast, which we'll have to have you check that out as well. But I was like, hey, uh, in all your free time while you're still here, just come on into the studio and let's do a fun little Q&A on a variety of topics because you are the expert in all things young adults, JP. So welcome. Let's go. I was like, <laughs> I was just like, that was such a long intro. I just wanted to talk and say hi. I'm so excited you to be here. You can't just be talking all the time. I mean, come on. Thank like, you I'm for a having competitive me. talker. So let's go. <laughs> no, it's good. Okay. So, you know, um, in, in addition, and I did, I need to mention too, he also hosts the uh, the podcast, Becoming Something, a uh, super fun podcast that covers all manner of topics for young adults. So, we just had Lisa on. Go check it out. Great stuff. Yes. I was telling him and we excerpted it for our social, and I was like yelling at him in a question. I apologize for that. But, um, Okay, so we get tons of questions here at Boundless JP from young adults who are like, I need some help yeah. navigating this space. Sure. And it could be, it runs the gamut. And so we're going to kind of address a few different areas here today. The first question I want to ask you is um, because I, I feel like our audience is very motivated to grow in maturity, whether it's in their faith, in their, and I'm so impressed with the people that listen to Boundless because yeah. they are like not messing around. A team. They tend to, yeah, they're, they're awesome. And so, but they do ask often kind of this question, it's, it's a little bit of a grab bag around like, if they were going to sit down with you and say, JP, what would you say, where, where are some areas that I should really be developing maturity in? Like whether it's, you know, in relationships, whether it's their finances, whether it's spiritual maturity, what, you know, your advice kind of to your 20 something self of like, what would you really have spent time going after? Uh, what would that have looked like? Yeah. Someone asked me one time, you know, what, what is something you would tell your 20 something self or what, what's your biggest regret? And it, it really came down to just this idea that thoughts take you places. Hmm. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. Hmm. I think we're seeing some of the highest levels, or we are seeing the highest levels of depression, the highest levels of mental illness, the highest levels of anxiety, and and really, sadly, the highest levels of suicide than any generation that has ever lived. And so I would say, hey, work in a healthy diet of spending time with God in the morning. That is something you're going to want to do for the rest of your life. And so, you know, one thing that I think is lost in our culture today is like contemplative prayer. Like we're really good at praying in between meetings, in the car, going from one thing to the next, this idea of like praying without ceasing, but we're really bad at like sitting still for a an extended period of time and just praying. You know, Lisa, about five years ago, I had an, an, an anxiety attack, a panic attack. It just jumped on me out of nowhere. And I went to a therapist and what he prescribed was, it was cognitive behavioral therapy, but really it was meditation. And how you, I was like, what does that look like? He's like, you know, you're a Christian, like think about God. And really it was prayer. It was like <laughs> contemplative prayer. And so that's one thing, but, and, and I know that's probably unexpected as we're talking about faith, finances, friendships, the future, but that is foundational to all of those other things. Because as you think about how do you manage money, as you think about, hey, how do I identify other strong believers to hang out with? Hey, how do I find a significant other? How, you know, all of these things, I would say, start with a, a good foundation of prayer and a spiritual life. Yeah. And it sometimes seems so like people think that's just so mystical and stuff. And sometimes you just have to like, I've encouraged folks to be like, just find a way to study the Bible that works for you. Because yeah. we always want to find like the perfect plan sure. or be like, if I'm not doing it at 5 a.m. seven days a week and yeah. I miss one day, then forget it. You know, and I'm just like, for me, it's been doing Bible studies with other women that have like homework because yeah. then I'm forced in because I'm an overachiever. So I'm like, I got to do my homework. That's right. And then it's just been a great way for me to go after that and have that time with the Lord that then plays into the Bible study where I get to get 
you know, get together with the women that I yeah. study with. So it's awesome. That's right. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about church because, again, moving into, uh, you know, we're coming out of COVID and there have been a lot of uh, transitions within churches and stuff. You know, people, I, I know at my church, we've talked about how, you know, in our uh, communities and small groups, we we have like, you know, some of them have like 50% of the people that have returned yeah. and stuff. And I know a lot of young adults are like, you know, it was uh, super chill during COVID when I just watched a bunch of yeah. preaching podcasts yeah, online. Give a reason for why getting back to church, to a community of believers in person is so important for young yeah. adults. Yeah, you really shouldn't unless you believe the Bible. And if you believe the Bible then you absolutely should because it's like the author of Hebrews knew that we would struggle in this way. And so he says, do not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but continue to encourage each other all the more while you see the day approaching. I mean, can think about that. 2,000 years ago, God in his kindness had the forethought, and of course he's God, to say, do not forsake the gathering together. This is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And so just to make sure that we do assemble with the people. That's what church is. I mean, that word, ecclesia, that we translate church, it means the gathering of people or the assembly of people. And God has given you spiritual gifts to serve within the body of Christ. Like if you're fast, God made you fast for him. If you're good at math, God made you good at math for him. These are gifts that he's given you to deploy within the local body. And also we were made to be under authority in the church. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. It says leaders is talking about church elders, church leaders. And so really we we like God designed us as as human beings to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and and the metaphor that is throughout the scripture is of the body and uh you know one time Lisa I had my appendix out and they uh they after they took it out of me this organ they brought it to me in a jar and it was gross, you know, because it wasn't where it belonged. It, yeah. it, it was when it sits out there by itself. It's just it's like, oh, that's gross. And and the same is true when you have people that are like, oh, yeah, it's me and Jesus. You know, I wake up Sunday and I listen to a little bit of this guy and a little bit of this person, and a little bit of them. And, you know, and it's like, hey, you're fooling yourself. You're not that is not the fertile soil that you're going to grow in. You really need to be a part of a place that you say, hey, this is my church. I'm under authority here. I serve here. I contribute here. I give here and I thrive here. Last thing I'll say on this, there is a chasm bigger than the Grand Canyon between the person who, you know, sometimes goes to church or watches church and the person who is the church. They're in the church, they're belong. They're they're a member. They're serving. the The spiritual maturity chasm between those two people is really, really large. Well, let's. Um, I want to push back here a little bit because I think the reality is, as we've had access to so many pastors from across the world and so many podcasts and so many, I can hear that person right now, JP, who's saying. Yeah, well, that would be all well and good if, like, JP was my pastor. Mm. So what do I need to do, move to Waco? Or mm. I need to go and be in someone, you know, some other person's church or whatever. But I'm just going to this church of 200 people here yeah. in the middle of my town. And I don't know, is that really, you know, so I, I think there's such this um, misperception mm. that you have to be in this, like, awesome, prominent, sexy church that's doing all these programs mm -hmm. and stuff when really, <laughs> I mean, talk about faithfulness, yeah. just where God's put you. Yeah, you you could move to Waco, uh, <laughs> but but I'll tell you, if you Stop did, padding your numbers. Well, We're here's, not, a, well, here's <laughs> what I'd say. If you did, you're going to be disappointed. And that's what I yeah. told the body the other day. I, I had this, this, I was talking about like, you know, Instagram. I said, you know, there's people on Instagram and they love me. And I kind of left it out there for a minute. I said, do you know why? I said, because they don't know me. I'm not their pastor. They're watching the highlight reel, you know, and and it's so funny, Lisa, because I could go speak at a conference. Someone paid $250 plus plane tickets to be there in hotels. And, and afterwards, there's a line of people and, and they, they want, you know, autographs or whatever that is. And then I'll go back to Waco and I'll give that same sermon, that same message to the people there. And it's like, well, you went a little long today, pastor, you know, and they're like discouraged. And it's, it's like, I think we, the grass is always greener. We're, we are naturally discontent and we're always looking for something else. 
And here's the newsflash. Uh, you don't need to go to a church that you like. You are the church. Like you're not a consumer. You are the church. And so your your pastor is not in charge of your own spiritual growth. They're going to feed you something. For a long time, church was somebody reading from the Bible. And so, you know, you, you get some scripture. You serve there. You don't need to find a church where you love the music and you love the preaching and the chairs are comfortable. Find a church where you can use your gifts uh, you know, the gifts that God has given you and that 200 person church, man, that's awesome. They need you. And so I, I, my prayer for you is that you thrive there and you belong there. And I know that's so radical in this day and age. It's just, we, we are so consumeristic mm-hmm. in the church. It's, it's really sad. I think we're missing out because yeah. of that. Yeah. So that, I mean, I want to use that as a springboard to the point of being the body. Like, you know, it's great as a 20 something to have your tribe and you need your people that are kind of around you and you're all doing your thing and stuff like that. But also the church multi-generationally is so important. And we talk a lot about mentorship here at Boundless and the idea of like finding a mentor. And it always seems like this Leviathan task and people are like, will you be the mentor, my mentor for the rest of my life? But how do you do it at your church, JP, where you're encouraging generational service together where you're encouraging some of the younger adults to avail themselves of the godly older saints that are there. Yeah, I'll start by kind of identifying the problems because in all programs, you're choosing your problems. And so we do do life groups based on life stage and geography. So that means predominantly singles with singles, you know, 20-somethings with 20-somethings, 30-somethings with 30-somethings, empty nesters with empty nesters. And I realize there's something lost in that. You're, you're choosing your problems. So what we've had to do then is create these opportunities for multi-generations uh, to gather, to create and find mentorship, And so we do that through um, men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies that are across the board, young and old, all, all different seasons of life stage. And then they can meet and just kind of go out naturally and say, hey, would you mentor me? Can we meet? Or would you meet with our life group? That's That's been really effective is if you find that older, wiser person to, to bring them into your life group. And you can even rotate folks in and, and then you get, you know, ask questions and all hear the same things at the same time. So uh, in addition to the corporate worship, you know, the corporate worship experience, I'll say lastly on this, I think. With the church today, we're looking to the church to solve our problems through programs. And historically, you know, the church has been, you we assemble here on Sunday morning, but then you continue to meet with God's people throughout the week to encourage each other to love God and love others. And programs are, they're a, they're a luxury, you know. It's a benefit, student ministries and young adult ministries and singles ministries and all these things. These are a luxury. They're not... An ex, a biblical expectation. And so it's not necessary to be the church to have those things. And so when you gather corporately, you know, you're going to see people in different life stages than you go up to them. They would be so honored to say, hey, would you, can we grab lunch? Can I show up with five questions? I'm going to have a notebook and a pen. That's key because that's a lost art. I would say when you meet with somebody older than you and you're going to ask questions of them, show up with a pen, paper, five questions, you know, make the most of their time. Almost anybody would meet with you if you do that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, because you are who you are and you wrote outdated, I would be remiss to not ask you a dating question. So we have to go here. Um, You have, okay, say, I mean, I know that your normal fee is like $2,000 for any young adult to sit down with you for five minutes. (laughs) $20,000. Oh, $20,000. It's now gone up. Okay. But, you know, for that young adult that's listening, this is their chance to get just like Say they had a minute with you and a female came and sat with you and is like, JP, no guys are asking me out. What do I do? And then the guy conversely is going to give you some version of either Girls women are aren't no. going out with yeah. me. Yeah. All, or some kind no. of the, the frustration around dating. Yeah. What is the, the number one advice that you would give them that they can take home today and implement and move towards some sense of hope in this area? So interesting. The problems are, you know, <laughs> girls say no guys are asking me out. Guys say everyone says no every time, you know. So <laughs> oh, is that possible? Yeah, the math. Exactly. I don't and, know. And, and it's interesting because we, we did the math on that to try to find out how it is possible. But to answer your question. To the girl that is saying that, one, I would just lead with empathy because I see the problem. It is a problem. The the male apathy in the church today is an issue, and I'm doing everything I can to help you in that issue. I wrote outdated. I'm, I'm trying to encourage guys 
to ask girls out and to be courageous and all of the things. But I would say if you feel forgotten, one, uh, you're not. Like God sees you in Isaiah 40. Why do you cry out of Jacob? The Lord has, has he doesn't see me. He does. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And and two, I would say let your friends know, hey, I would like marriage. If that's where you're at in the season, I would love to be married. And so if you know of any God-fearing men, uh, please let me know. I think you can ask for help. This is the body of Christ being the body of Christ. That sounds scary. It sounds weird. But I think that's a part of the church. And then thirdly, Lisa, and I don't know how you feel about this. I don't have an issue. Like if you're in, in church and you're you're hanging out with other believers and groups, you letting a guy know that you would be interested in dating him. I will say with that an asterisk of uh, you're choosing your problems. And, you know, the problem that you may be choosing is that male apathy that we have identified as such an issue. If he's not going to take that first step, if he's not going to initiate and engage with you, um, you know, be aware, be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, too often we want to get super formulaic about it. And I know even Boundless historically has been like, oh, ladies, you know, don't ask guys out and stuff. And I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not sure. Again, I don't see anywhere in scripture, scripture where it, it right. doesn't say that. Um, but I will say you don't want to set a precedent that's for right. you being the one that's going to take the reins every single time. That's because, right. you know, I have married friends, women who are like, yeah, I, mar- I I dated a passive guy, and now in marriage, I can't even get this dude to choose pizza toppings, That's let right. alone lead us in you know in church or That's in right. spiritual things. Or yeah, yeah. And then I would just say, and if you're the guy, and you feel like girls are always turning you down, they're always saying no, and you know you just feel beat up. I would go one step further and just say, hey, what can you help me understand what it is? Do you, do you observe a character flaw in me that that no one loves me enough to tell me? And just just they, they're going to be the ones most equipped and and available to answer the question that you have is why? Why is everyone telling me no? And I, I pray that the caliber of girl that you're asking out is the kind of girl that will be honest with you and help you grow, not not beat you up or kick you while you're down, but really help you develop as a God-fearing man. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to turn a corner, and this is a colossal question that's going to have like about five questions in it, but I know you're up to the task. Let's go. Um, Okay, we are culturally in, I mean, we are seeing this happen. We're seeing it reported in the news. We're seeing it reported in churches. Massive moral failures from church leaders, from Christian influencers, from people that we have looked up to, we have read their books, we have experienced them in multitudinous ways. Um, In addition to that, we are seeing people, again, respected people that we thought we were like, I'm going to follow this person, I'm going to... Um, they're they're re or they're choosing that you know uh, scripture says this the culture says something else I'm going with the culture mm-hmm. they are eliminating hell from their teaching they yeah. are eliminating uh, Christ on the cross and yeah. his necessary uh, substitution for us what do we do with this JP how do we infuse mm-hmm. some sense of understanding of what is gospel truth and where do we go when we're trying. <laughs> We're, you know, young adults that are just like, I'm trying to be taught. I'm trying to be led. How do I, how do I trust any leaders in my sphere anymore? Gosh, I needed a trigger warning on that. (laughs) For sure. I'm so grieved by this right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Everywhere I turn, it's what you said. I mean, leaders are dropping like flies. And I think there are a lot of Christian leaders that finish well, but not when they're platformed. Mm. So there, so a, a pattern that I'm observing are these people that were tempted to worship as some sort of celebrity that they are falling like flies, dropping like flies, if you will. And so I think there's something there to think about. Uh, there's a spirit in the air right now of selfishness that is spurred on through social media and just us trying to be God, not worship God. And this is the this is the sin that made the devil the devil. I mean, Lucifer, the angel, didn't want to worship God. He wanted to be like God. So God sent him to the earth to see what kind of little G God he could be. And I think now we're walking around trying to be worshipped as well. And there's something about when people do want to hear what you have to say. They want you to sign an autograph. They want to get pictures with you. That feels good. It feeds our flesh and it carries us or it can carry us somewhere really bad. And this is a part of, I mean, 
this is going to turn into a therapy session. <laughs> this is a part of why we moved to Waco. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, we moved to a, a smaller town to to serve in a relatively smaller church because of some of this that we're talking about right now. I, I, I am fully and completely susceptible to this. And um, it comes down to the idea of personal holiness. It seems like the person who wakes up and spends hours with God and they they watch their language and they're careful what they feed their heart uh, through their eyes and, and ears by way of movies and music— it seems like that's not cool anymore, and it's cool to be the pastor or the church leader that occasionally gets drunk or occasionally drops an f bomb, or you know, or and and I I wouldn't I don't know why I don't know how we got here. Um, it's it's cool to be worldly, and um and I wrestle with this. Look, I'm the guy with the cool shoes. I get it. I get it. You know, I I I wore earrings today. I get it. I'm very much self aware uh, of of the, that kind of line where. I'm like, all right, I don't want to be worldly. I do want to be relevant, but I want to make sure that I am set apart by the Holy Spirit in my pursuit of holiness. And that right there, set apart in our pursuit of holiness, is what I think is lost. And it starts with the listener. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with the listener, Like meaning each of us needs to draw a circle around ourselves and change everything inside and think, okay, if everyone pursued Christ, like I pursued Christ, would the world be better? You know, would it, would it be, uh, would the church thrive or am I cutting corners in my personal life? Because what you did when no one's looking is who you really are. Mm -hmm. Like the way you pursue Jesus when nobody's watching you, that really defines your relationship with Jesus. And uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, this morning I woke up in my hotel room. No one was there. And I didn't know that I was going to be talking about it right now. But I'm I'm reading Esther, you know, and I want to know more about God through his word. And I'm sitting on the couch, you know, with the TV off, just spending some time talking to him. Because I know that if I don't, my faith is dying. Mm-hmm. And I want to give out of the overflow of that. And so, hey, pray for your boy. Uh, pray for Lisa. Pray for your church leaders. I don't think we do that enough. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The the examples that you have of people in their personal pursuit of holiness, it's dwindling, and yeah. I'm saddened by it. Yeah, it's so hard. And I'm so glad you shared a couple practical examples from what you've had to do in your own journey. Because yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people know you through your time in the porch and through like, oh, yeah, you know, and I follow him on, on Instagram yeah. and I'm listening to Becoming Something. And yeah. it seems like we've made this like litmus test of influence or impact or, you know, this person is doing more for the kingdom because they've got X number of followers. And yeah. it's just like, oh, my word, that's got to just grieve the heart of God. It's at the expense of character. Yeah. Right. And, you you know, when your platform grows beyond your character, you're in big trouble because it's only a matter of time before you fall. But it all comes crumbling down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so awesome. Our time always goes so fast. We'll have to do this again. But uh, JP, I appreciate you just kind of answering some rapid fire questions. Yeah, and bringing for in me some on. stuff from yourself. And he's reading Esther, y'all. So that's go. good. Good to know. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, for it's me- so great being on with you. I'm such a fan from afar and love the way that you are pouring in to, to these people. So I'm grateful. Folks, as we finish out the show, we always open up our inbox, and that is where you, the listener, have written in a question to us that we can answer, and we bring in awesome folks to answer our questions. I mean, sometimes I answer them. 
But <laughs> even better than that, sometimes our amazing counselors answer them. Sometimes our um, we have pastors uh, nearby in our sphere that answer them. Uh, we have relationship experts. And so it's always great to avail ourselves of folks who can help us out. And so we have got Joni DeBrito here to answer today's question. Joni, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm super, glad to be here. Super to have you. Okay, well, our listener says, My fiancé and I have been together for over three years. He proposed earlier this year, and before we got engaged, I only had eyes for him. No other guys existed, and no one else was attractive to me. However, since getting engaged, I've been struggling with looking at other men everywhere I go and comparing them to my fiancé in terms of appearance. I've been praying for forgiveness, but I'm wondering if this is normal or if there's any additional advice you have for dealing with these feelings? Great question. (laughs) First of all, I want to compliment this listener for paying attention to her reactions because it's really important to be aware of how we're feeling about our partner and think about whether or not those feelings are a legitimate concern or maybe a little bit of anxiety about making a big decision. So if she marries this man, it'll be really important for her to continue to pay attention to her feelings and to be able to discern the real issues from maybe some anxiety that's a little bit irrational. So in answer to the first part of her question, yes, it is very normal and very common. In fact, most of us experience doubts after we make a big decision, whether it's about a relationship or a job or a life experience or maybe a major purchase. This is what is known as buyer's remorse. How many of us have thought and investigated and gone through the whole process of getting ready to buy a car or maybe a piece of furniture only to doubt the decision long before the ink is dry on the paperwork? Could we have made a better purchase? Well, maybe. But typically, if you have thought through a decision well, it's a good decision, and it's probably some irrational thinking that's driving the doubts. The listener says that she has been with this person for three years, and so that indicates that she hasn't jumped into the engagement and she's really thought about it, and presumably her fiancé has thought about it as well. So regarding her concern... Who you choose to marry is one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your whole life. And so the level of our worry and doubt tends to be fairly consistent with what we are thinking about. So whether the shoes will match the outfit might consume maybe a couple of minutes or for some people hours or days of their time. But who you're going to marry is likely to bring about a lot of thought and a lot of consideration. And Definitely in this day and age of comparison, especially on social media and the youth culture, this tendency to look and compare is really, really common. So here's what I think would be most helpful for this particular listener. I think if she can think in terms of what will help her feel content and satisfied in her marriage and to talk through or process reasonable expectations of her spouse. Sounds just a little bit as if she wants to marry the most attractive man she can find and that she might be trying to find the perfect man who, by the way, doesn't exist. (laughs) So God brings together imperfect people to live with, be intimate with, and love and cherish one another despite all of our imperfections, and we all have them, don't we? And honestly, while the spark often begins with attraction to a person of the opposite sex in regard to their physical appearance, it's probably the least important quality Uh, to focus on because it will change (laughs) as we age. I definitely know that. And it can change very quickly due to a variety of different circumstances. So here's what I would encourage her to do. This will help her to distract herself from over-focusing on the comparison and also help her figure some things out. I think it'd be helpful for her to ask herself some questions. The first one is, What do I value most about my fiancé, especially related to those personality qualities that are most likely to stay consistent over time? How can we both take care of our physical, our emotional, spiritual, and social selves in a way that honors God? How will I stay committed to my marriage despite the fact that a lot of things are going to change and that one of those things might be physical appearance? How might I feel different if I were to consider my fiancé in regard to his spiritual gifting, fruits of the Spirit, and personal integrity instead of comparing him to other men? And 
how would I feel if my fiancé was assessing me according to my physical appearance? And here's the really hot, charged one. Can I discuss this with my fiancé? Could I let him know that I'm struggling with this if she can? That's awesome that she can be honest about that. So it's about acknowledging the feelings, recognizing when the feelings are irrational. And if she's not sure, she can process with another adult, a parent or a trusted adult. Um, Ask the Holy Spirit to help you focus on your fiancé's best qualities and to keep your desire for him intact. And then pray for God to keep your heart pure toward your fiancé. Now, here's one last reminder I want to say. When you get engaged and you get married, you don't stop seeing other people of the opposite sex at work, at church, and in other settings. And it's completely normal to be attracted to other men and women from time to time. There's no shame in being attracted. The problem is when the attraction leads to an action with the other person. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways that man is tempted, but he was free from sin because he did not act on those temptations. So it's okay to be thinking these things. The whole idea is not to act on them and maybe to try some of those tips. And I think she might find that as she processes through those questions, she'll come to a better appreciation and understanding of her fiancé. Yeah, good thoughts, Joni. Thanks so much for weighing in on that. Well, folks, uh, that is it for this week's show. As always, we do want to hear from you. Write to us at editor at boundless.org with any comments or questions you have. Also, you can hit us up on social. And uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to those of you who are listening. Some of you, it might be just a couple days before Christmas. Some of you, it's Christmas weekend, whatever. Um, But we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a finish to this year. That's fantastic. Uh, Remember that there is still time to get in your year-end gift to Boundless. And you can do that by going to boundless.org slash donate. This is your way to give a gift that will be matched by a generous donor and is also tax deductible and it benefits one of your favorite groups, (laughs) boundless.org. Who you benefit from, we know you do and we love you too. So uh, we will, yeah, we'll see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.